Welcome to We Are The Watchers. This is episode 311, top of the day to you, Talks. Hello. Now, we've just finished uh, sharing a finger bun. Thank you so much. You're welcome. We're finding hundreds and thousands all over the studio. Till the end of time. Mm -hmm. But that's fine because it's the gift that keeps on giving. (laughs) Yeah, it does. We've got our recap of Fargo episode two. So we're we're purposely being a week behind so that um, everybody can catch up if you want to listen along and and see if you agree with what we think. Mm. Bit of a recap is always a handy thing. I've got a quiz. It's Star Wars related for you. I feel like we did a Star Wars one not that long ago. Yeah, but this has got a different sort. This is a different take on oh, it. You're really, you're really testing me on the Star Wars lately. It's the top of my mind, that's why. And a heap of news. So do you want to crack on into it? Yes, I do. For a visual representation of this audio, check out the Watchers podcast on Instagram. Right. I think it's like five stories. That's why we need to crack in. No, no dilly-dallying. <laughs> So Jodie Foster reckons what I think quite a lot of people in the world think, that the Marvel and DC superhero movies are just a phase. Yeah, and for some of us it feels like a very long phase. (laughs) She said, yeah, it's just a phase that lasted a little bit too long for me, but it's just a phase. I've seen so many different phases. I mean, you can imagine Mm. she has. She was a a kid when she started her acting career, so it's uh, definitely something that she's been uh, well aware of. She said, hopefully people will be sick of it soon. (laughs) Quite like her. Yeah, she's not bad. She said um, the good ones like Iron Man, Black Panther, The Matrix. She said, I I like those. They're, They're Marvel at their best and I was swept up in the entertainment of it all. But then she said, but that's not why I became an actor and those movies don't change my life. Hopefully there'll be room for everything mm. else. And I think there is. Yeah, I hope so. I think what she's might be referring to is, is, are budgets though. Yeah, true. Yeah. Because I can imagine those those films and that genre would definitely take up the majority of whatever – you know, Disney's yes. budget or whoever else is doing it, Warner Brothers, mm-hmm. or who, I can't remember who was doing DC. So for her, I mean, the last movie I think you were talking about she was in was about a long-distance swimmer. Yes, a marathon swimmer. So you can imagine that kind of thing would be <laughs> nowhere near the, the size of the budget as Marvel No, films. and if you're trying to, you know, sell these new projects to them, it would mm. be a tough sell being that they'd be tough. like, no, we need to designate a billion dollars. Yeah, absolutely. And you're like, sorry, did I hear you correctly? Could I just have like just a couple of million? That's all I want. That's all I need. No, we don't have the budget for that. Oh, shame. Oh, Robert Downey Jr. will not be Iron Man again. That's what the boss man of oh. Marvel Studios said, uh, Kevin budget Feige. Yeah, it. exactly. He said that the rumours of that happening are – just rumours. He said, we are going to keep that moment and not touch that moment again. Um, talking about Iron Man or um, Tony Stark's exit from mm-hmm. Marvel. He said, we worked really hard for many years to get it to that and we would never want to magically undo it in any way. So what's done is done. That's it. That's the end of Robert Downey Jr. in a Marvel film. But I really do think that He's had such a different, diverse kind of acting career yes. that 
even the things that he's done since then have been quite different. Mm. And he's probably moved on as well. That was, I'm guessing, maybe 10 years of his life. Yeah, I would think so. And that's insane for a Hollywood actor, movie actor, Mm -hmm. to stick to that kind of not just um, character but that that kind of franchise for that long. And the the regimented schedule that that would, and, you know, and the opportunities and jobs you couldn't take up. Yeah, absolutely. And if we recall last week we were talking about Paul Rudd and Mm. the incredibly strict diet that he had to take to fit into his Ant-Man suit. Well, uh, you would imagine even though, you know, Iron Man is in a massive iron suit, but you still have to keep trim and look your best at all times according to to superhero uh, bestness, I guess. (laughs) So, yeah, uh, that that will now end the, uh, I think, the part of the superhero news stories. This one's a little bit different. This is about Willy Wonka, or should I say Wonka, Mm. the prequel to Willy Wonka. Uh, Timothy Shamalamalamalamalama (laughs) (laughs) is is playing the lead role. And funnily enough, I mean, would you ever think that when you're in school and they tell you not to be naughty because it will mm. go on your permanent record that that actually meant anything because some of his high school singing performances helped him get that role really yeah exactly he went i mean admittedly he did go to a school for performing yeah. arts in in um new york and of course you know the age that he is uh, a lot of his performances have found their way onto the internet yes. so people you know fans have found them and watched them and someone who watched it was the director of the Wonka film, Paul King. He said, because we live in this ridiculous century, some of uh, Timothy's high school performances are on the internet and have been viewed by hundreds of thousands wow. of people. And he said, uh, if mine were on the internet, I'd never work again. Uh, I didn't know that he was a singer. No, I had no clue. I don't think I've actually physically like- seen him in many things. I, I've seen him in the first June. June. Film, mm. I don't really think I've seen him in too much else. But so many actors, then no one just does acting. You do singing, musical theatre, dance, play an instrument. Like if you're artistic in one way, you're yeah. probably artistic in a few ways. And that's kind of why people are called the triple threat, which mm. is sort of is sort of referred to as this amazing magical talent that people have and and it is talent that's yeah. not what I'm uh, referring to I'm more saying that you know you go to these sort of schools to be good at all of them mm. you know you're trained to do all of them and not just one, one. thing yeah so uh, the fact that he can sing shouldn't really be a shock no can he dance I think we've I think he was on um he was the guest host of Saturday Night Live the other night uh, the other week maybe a couple of weeks ago and he was doing a bit of dance he was kind of comedy dancing but mm. I reckon he can probably do so you might find him on um oh, you might find him on the lip sync battle you know and you dig through yeah. the archives of that Hey, wouldn't That's he... where people have hidden talents. <laughs> well, I was just going to say, wouldn't he be good on The Masked Singer? Mm. Because you wouldn't, you wouldn't expect it, True. would you? And they'd yeah. be like, no, 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 this, this is a very famous A-list actor. And you're like, who? Oh, A-list, whatever. <laughs> yeah, you talk sure. yourself yeah, up, yeah, mate. Talk it up, talk <laughs> it up. <laughs> Look, we're going to uh, have a quick chat about one of our favourite shows from probably the past few years, Derry Girls. Mm. It's so 
Derry Girls and Seisha Monica Jackson, who played Erin, the main one mm-hmm. uh, from, from Derry Girls, she said that she really hopes that she can play that character again sometime. She said it felt bizarre when the show ended because I was done with Erin, but then the Lisa, who is the writer, yeah. um, is continuing her life and it would be interesting to revisit Erin down the line and see what she's come up with because your 20s are so chaotic, um, but that would uh, be really down to what Lisa wants to do. She's, I would, I would love to, she, she would love to work with her again. And then in, in the same interview, she was asked about some inspirations or like how she came up with her portrayal of the character Erin and apparently this was in the audition she she was like you know what I'm gonna pull like some Jim Carrey and Rowan Atkinson faces (laughs) she said I basically auditioned and I just thought "Hmm, Erin's very physical and that the madness of the world and all the characters around her would lead itself to a real physical comedy performance and you think about the faces that she pulled yeah and and you know a, a few of the others as well it's exactly right you're like yeah that would be a a more like not as overt mm. or exaggerated um Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey. I like those stories. It's like that one with the I've forgotten the character's name, but the blonde wife in The Big Bang Theory and her character came in a couple of seasons late and she went in for the audition and got a call oh, back. Yeah. Do you remember? Yeah, and yeah. she was like, "I've with this voice." Yeah, yeah, she's like, "I've got to, I've got to do something different. Like this, this, this has got to be my moment." Mm. So she went in and she was her mum. She just acted right. and spoke like her mum, and then got the job. And she's like, "Now every day I have to go to work and be my <laughs> I mom. gotta be my mum now." <laughs> Now I want to know more people who have yeah. done that, who have gone in and are like, okay. I'm just going to take a risk. I'm going to take a risk. And then, then I also want to think about the uh, – I, I want to hear about the people who decided that they would uh, go in and audition one way and then the, the pilot and maybe even the first se- season mm. they do that character – or maybe in the pilot they do that character and then by the time they get to the actual series they've um, maybe forgotten how to portray that yeah. character or someone, you know, the director or whoever has asked them to change it a little yeah. bit, refine a little bit, and then they have to remember how that yeah. version of the character is from now on. It's really interesting. Imagine doing it in the audition and then, you know, months later getting the call and being like, like for how, what? Which how did, did I, I do, do? How did I do that character? Dairy Girls. What was, which one was that? <laughs> was that the Jim Carrey yeah. one? Was yeah. that the week that I did Jim Carrey at that every audition? That was when I was obsessed with yeah. him. I just watched The Mask <laughs> and that was it. Uh, final news story for today. I want to talk about some little tidbits, uh, little uh, tasty morsels that we've gotten um, in relation to Witcher 4, which will be the next main game of The mm. Witcher from CD Projekt Red, which is a Polish production company, game developer, I should say. And um, at the at the moment it's called Codename Polaris and they're saying that there's going to be a lot of player freedom in that wonderful open world that they, uh, I was going to say created. I mean, it, it's obviously created off a book, but they created the open world, like in particularly Witcher 3, like that is, you know, you, you think, hmm, 
you know what I'm going to do? I might play The Witcher for a bit. I'm not going to do any of the storyline. I'm just going to hang around Skellige mm-hmm. for a little bit because it's really beautiful. I'm yeah, going to see what's over in explore. that corner. Kind of like Red Dead Redemption, yeah. really, that kind of thing. Anyway, the game director, Sebastian Kalemba, said, we have some elements of the law that we need we need to do, like it needs to be kept. And as the universe is always the same, we cannot go beyond certain limits. We therefore must follow a very specific direction while innovating. Because they were talking about, you know, gameplay as in, you know, um, the the how you will do combat and stuff yeah. like that, how much that will change. Because you want, you know, you want to keep it similar but you want to expand on it. You have to. But then they were also talking about how they really want to make it more RPG-ish. Mm. So whilst you're still the Witcher um, but make it yourself, is Eddie, is Eddie yeah. coming here? Eddie. Hello. Eddie. What's up? Thanks for coming in, bud. Nice to see you <laughs> and hear you. Anyway, um, it's it's just I really enjoyed that third game and I am looking forward to see what they do mm. with the fourth one, but I don't want to get too excited because they said it might come out in 2025, which means maybe 2026. Really? Or the year really? after. These games take like five years I to know, make. I know. Think about, you know, um, GTA 6 was 10 years after the last one. But were they working on it exclusively? No, for they 10 were years? paying a, I mean they did Red Dead 2 yeah. and also GTA Online which yeah. just is basically printing money for them. So they were, they were Why in no wouldn't rush. you in that case? No rush at all. Yeah. So yeah, quite a lot of stuff in the, in the news this week, but I thought we should um have a chat about all of it. It was a bit varied too, I thought. Yeah. But now it's time for watching suggestions. Got a watching suggestion? Email thewatcherspodcast at gmail.com. All right, let's jump into Fargo. Okay. I think Do maybe it. we need to do that. Uh, Fargo, we're talking about Fargo Season 5, Episode 2, which was uh, two weeks ago now. So mm-hmm. we're, coming, we're, we're, we're trying to stagger it so that you can catch You've up. You've got a little bit of time. Exactly. So this is the, the episode that we really got a better idea of who John Hamm is mm. playing and that character. He is Sheriff Roy Tillman, and we see him. He's visited by a couple of FBI agents, yeah. and they find him out on his property in a wooden hot tub outside <laughs> naked. Yeah. And it was about that time that I went, they've pierced his nipples. Yeah. You couldn't get over that. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> it was such an interesting little Titbit intentional. about this guy, 100% intentional. intentional. And I, I have a feeling just I don't want to give too much away about some future episodes, but there's little moments where you're like, oh, okay, there's more to him. I mean, obviously is there's more to him. he, is the character what you were expecting? Like think only episode two. I don't think he's exactly what I was expecting, but he's exactly what – I think he should have been. When mm. in the in that first episode I thought, oh, maybe he's like the leader of a cult. That's what I thought. But he's yeah. not. He's he's a sheriff, a constitutional sheriff, almost like he self-appointed himself. Yeah. Sort of. And he's <laughs> he's got his son with him, Gator, who's like his 
second in charge, you know, yeah, deputy right sheriff, man, I yeah. guess. Yeah, right-hand man kind of thing. But but Gator's a little bit jumpy, a bit too – he's got a bit too much of the young alpha male in your 20s yes. problem, you know, yes. where you think every you're he's right about everything. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Now, he's played by Joe Carey, who is from Stranger Things, of course. You didn't even recognise no, him at first. Like, you knew you I knew he did. was from Stranger Things, but you're like, I don't know. I can't think of who he is in Stranger no. Things. Because uh, his hair it was totally different. And that, so clearly it's all about the hair. <laughs> yeah. And uh, without getting too far into what we will see later is that we also learned that Dot is John Hamm's wife and she mm. took off. Estranged wife. looking for her. And not in a good way. Not in a good way at all. I think maybe they said maybe nine years Mm. since she'd been gone. So we can only assume that Gator is Dot's son as well. That's what I'm thinking, right? Well, I do feel like it's all we can assume, which makes it even more screwed up of how he's attending to the situation. (laughs) No? Yeah. Yeah. He's so cocky, it's crazy. Look, we're still seeing a lot of Munch, I think his name mm. is, uh, that weird kind of hitman who had survived Dot's um, Home Alone antics. <laughs> he was the only one. Her and arsenal. <laughs> <laughs> we also find out how dangerous he can be. Oh, yes. And that he's, In more ways than one. He has not only got the job of finding Dot for John Hamm's mm. character, but also he's got his own kind of thing going Vendetta on. Which I think going we'll, on. Yeah, we'll find out yeah. more about that, uh, I'm, I'm sure, as the season goes. But in terms of uh, episodes, I think it was very much John Hamm's episode. Yes, very much so. Introducing, letting us open that door. Yeah, and it's exactly what we needed to see after the first one. I think so. You know, season five was like, you know, it was touted, it was um, promoted as we've got John Hamm. This mm. is John Hamm. Mm. So uh, I'm sure he and many of the other characters will all end in a horrible, dismal death. Yeah, because it's true. Fargo. It's Fargo. But it's kind of like, how is it going to happen and how far into it is he going to get? Oh, I think he's going to be last episode. I think he's going to be fair way through. Yeah. I think Gator, they're going to hold on to Gator for as long as uh, the story will let. We've seen, and correct me if I'm wrong, but John Hamm hasn't yet gotten his hands dirty. Am I right? Yeah. He does. He sends every. He's got a big what seems to be posse. Yeah. uh, Just a group of a gang who do things for him. But he hasn't done anything really yet. So I think that's where it'll come down to. I still think it's one of those series, Fargo, I mean, Mm. where when the episode finishes, you're like, no. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Watch a bit more. I I love that the quirks of Fargo are intertwined throughout every single season. Every story changes, but those quirks are there. And that, and every time it happens, I go, "Oh, mm-hmm. it's Fargo. There I really go. like it." There we but go. the stories are so fun, Jennifer, violent but fun. Jennifer Jason Lee, another top mm. character. She does not care about her daughter-in-law at all, or really her son. No, she not wants really. them out of the way. Pretty much, yeah. They're annoying. 
Um, next week we'll look at episode three, so maybe you can do that as well. Thank you very much. All right, what else have you been watching? I've been watching a three-part series on ABC. I, I collected it. Oh, did I, you? I, yeah, I collected it. I picked it, it so up and I yours. popped it in my pocket. It's okay. Um, I jumped in on it on ABC iView. And it's called The Way We Wore. It's oh, yeah. hosted by Celeste. Did you? Well, why don't we why don't we jump in and talk about Fine. it? Fine. This will be Just ours. take over my suggestion. Well, you've watched all three, I've only watched one. No, I've only watched one. Okay, good. Let's, so let's really talk about focus in on, on it. On one. <laughs> and go. End. Oh, go. Oh, yeah, start. Go. End. Go. End. Okay, so it is about the Australian fashion industry and it's done with Obviously, Celeste Barber is there, a great comic actor, and you kind of think, why would they ask her to do? Yeah, but you think about her Instagram, you know, the fact that she makes fun of High fashion, fashion models and, yeah. and, and whatnot in a really Australian way, so it makes total sense that she is the host of this show. Mm. Now, whilst she's very funny, uh, I thought I wanted her to be funnier, but it's not the kind of show that she can be that funny. No, I, I see where you're going. Yeah, but she spoke a lot about how fashion was really integral in her childhood. She loved it. She would buy magazines, rip out, what did she say? Like she kept six to eight pages of the fashion trends from every single magazine and then threw everything out. So she almost had like her cliff notes. (laughs) And I never realised that fashion was such a big part of her world and her interest sakes but I mean now she's a muse for Tom Ford which is just which is hilariously full circle yeah anyway it has historians and filmmakers um fashion designers like academy award fashion designers like Catherine Martin Mm -hmm. Ita Buttrose the founder of Clio editors at large from Vogue Australia, so many people. Jenny Key's in there. Yeah, talking about it. The first um, Indigenous cover girl is in there. And what's really fun is the footage from like 1930s That's what I was most interested in, you know, watching all the the old vintage videos or film from from the archives. Mm. I thought that was probably the most interesting to me because, you know, fashion is great but it's not like, I'm not like frothing, dying for it. Yeah, yeah. But um, seeing all the old things, you yeah, know, even the eighties and I and really enjoyed that it started where it did back in 1930s, and it didn't just go immediately to those that group of big supermodels. Like, yeah, it touched on it, mm. but it actually went essentially to like the bare bones, to the undergarments of the fashion industry, and it started yeah, Burley, with Burley yeah. and how corsetry changed Mm. from it being um, made for you to Burley just seeing a hole in the market and being like, you know what, business model, we mass produce. Yeah, mass produce, let's not make it for Don't make it for the people. Mm. You change your body to fit our corsets, Mm. our products. And I thought that was really interesting to just go immediately to underwear versus haute couture. Yeah. And I had no idea how influential Australian fashion was, but how it had to fight for its space in the world fashion. Well, yeah, I mean, you were talking about Catherine Martin and I remember there was a bit in there about her mum who is French and she uh, moved over, you know, to be with her, you know, Catherine's father and that I can't remember the name of it but she was basically like when when French 
kids go to school, they used to wear an equivalent of a smock. Mm. So they wouldn't ruin their clothes, you know, when they're at daycare or school yeah. or whatever. And she was, and and apparently her mother was like arrived here in Australia and went, "Why is everybody constantly just wearing a smock and nothing else?" <laughs> Basically, like they're all a bunch of dags. <laughs> Thought that was funny. Um, one other thing that I was like, "Oh," but I wasn't surprised. Alex Perry's face—he looks totally different. I didn't recognize him at looks first. Looks like he's got stung by a whole heap of bees. But he also, it was awkward. It, yeah, look, it was awkward. He was a few wearing years a puffer ago. jacket as well, so everything was just puffed up. But he looked like a man who, you know, when men get a bit up when they age, like the nose widens, the chin, I guess, widens, the neck widens. But when you've got lip filler and cheek filler and everything else, it's just a whole lot of widening and fillering. He, it was. It was. Honestly, it was the voice that got me at first. I was like, that's Alex Perry's voice, but that's not Alex Perry. But didn't you see the glasses on the bald head? Yeah, but I was like. Wasn't he wearing a hat? I don't remember. Anyway, it was a very interesting doco series. Hmm. I I will be dipping my toe into. Because I want to see where it goes to. Does it go into other facets of fashion? I mean, it went from. Fashion. Fashion went from undergarments. I'm just going to pop my phone down there for a second. <laughs> yeah, it's a good place for it. Um, it went from undergarments to high fashion, the silhouette that was it Christian Dior created. I think so, yeah. And I'm interested, you know, do they go into accessories and shoes and all of those sorts of things, or is it purely just clothes? So I will be stepping in. Okay, the other thing I need to talk about, which is nowhere near as interesting, it is just so ridiculous, but I couldn't stop watching it. But towards the end, I was like, "Mm, I think I've had enough of this, is there's this series on Netflix called The Ultimatum. Mm -hmm. And I watched, I think it was the newest one, it was called Ultimatum Queer or something. So it was about about women, like lesbians. Mm. And what it is, is the couple are like, okay, one of of the – one of the people in the in the relationship are like, we need to settle down and get married. Um, and the other one's like, I'm not sure. And then what they have to do is they have to be, be given the ultimatum. All right, you either settle down and marry or we have to go our separate ways. And then they're like, all right, let's go on a show mm. with maybe three other couples yeah. who are all doing the exact same thing. Yeah. And then what we do, right, is – we say, all right, I'm giving you the ultimatum. Now let's pick someone from the other relationships and then we're going to spend like a couple of weeks living with them like a marriage um, and then we'll see if we still want to be with each other. Well, of course, there's every different reaction Mm. to that. Some of them are like, I hate this person. You know, she just wants to fight the whole time. Yeah. I just want to be with my my part, my real life yeah. partner, and then the, uh, who I fight with all the time. Who I fight with all the time. I, it was a different kind of, kind of like fighting, them. you know. And then others are like, "Oh, I'm sorry, I just want to be with my partner. Mm. Can, let's just hang out, yeah, and just be roommates." And then others are like, "You know what would be really interesting if we drink a little bit oh, and then we sleep with I each was just other." About to say, and then there are others that are like. You know it would be really interesting if we probably pretend to because Ooh. I'm an influencer. 
I mean, no, no, they're still saying they did. Okay. But pretend to sleep with the other person or pretend to break up or pretend ultimatum. Uh, well, the whole thing I think was pretend yeah. for most of them. Yeah. Because a lot of them have Instagram accounts. Mm-hmm. But what I was meant is, um, you know, I would like attention because I'm a bit of an attention seeker mm. and I've got, I'm an influencer. That is my job that at least I've, has been described on this show. So I'll pretend to sleep with my um, experimental, you know, yeah. uh, wife and um, whether I did or not doesn't really matter because uh, it's not real anyway and I don't even care about the person I went in with. No, because I don't know them. I just hired just them to come them. on the show. With me. We've been together for four years. Okay, bye bye. Yeah, see you later. So it's one of those shows that you can't stop watching because it's really dumb. Yes, you know, that's the crux of crappy reality television. And now I don't know if I want to watch another ultimatum with different couples, mm. or if I feel like I've had enough. Because I feel like I would watch the first few episodes of the of the next season, and then just be like, "Oh, that's oh, right. Okay, I so don't you, like it." You follow the same couples for the whole season. It's yeah. not like every episode is a different. No, couple. no, no, no. Oh, okay. They're all intertwined with yeah, okay. each other. Yeah, mm. and they have like these really annoying conversations. And there's there's this one lady. And she is, her name is Aussie and she, sorry, Aussie. Aussie. And she's a Chinese Australian who lives in America and she goes by the name of Aussie. And there are like, there are whole moments in this series where you're like, I'm not sure you wanted to be here Mm. and you definitely don't want to have this pretend fight with this other person. Yeah, okay. You know That you don't know. Yeah. So she keeps walking away, like Mm. walking out of (laughs) – Yeah. You you know how they have those service departments in like love at first sight, uh, married at first sight kind of thing? It's that kind of thing and then then they've got to find her back again and then she pretends to be like, oh, it's just too much for me where where she was probably just like, this is ridiculous, I don't want to do it. So over this, if you don't want to step back into it, but you want something of the same vein, quite similar, I've got a show for you. Yes. Now, it's a bit old now but and it's an Australian show. Don't, say, don't think old. Classic. Classic. And I'm pretty sure it was called The Last Resort and it was maybe six couples from Australia and I think they, you know, were sent off to Fiji or something and basically it's a play on words that we're at the last the last ditch attempt to save our relationship but we're at a resort we're at a resort as well so like what you've a done holiday there. and they holiday. have to like you know sit down and have deep and meaningfuls oh, with their so partner that boring. they break up with all the time yeah or they have to go and have you know an adventure with one of the other couples where they have deep and meaningfuls about their relationships about, yeah. oh so it's like the ultimatum yeah and from memory, nobody hooks up, like cross hooks up, but they're really good at giving each other um, advice. Amazing. And I'm like, who are any of you to give advice? Because you're all in the same boat. You're all on the last resort resort. Mm. So clearly things aren't going very well. But that does sound like a natural transition. Yeah. Watch. And then at the end, you have to decide if, um, well, not you have to, they have to decide are we going to, you know, basically renew vows or get engaged or are we going to move out and get divorced? And it goes well? Oh, it's a bit, from memory, there's a bit of a mix. You're like, oh, wasn't expecting that. So looks like there was, oh, it looks like there's quite a few of them. What? 
Last Resort. Yeah. It was the, on Nine Now. Yeah, the Australia. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. And, of course, there's movies and stuff called The Last Resort. Oh, there's so much. Okay. Cool. Oh, isn't there a – is it Adam Sandler? Is there a movie oh, called Last Resort? Oh, maybe. It's funny. Yeah, you know, like the um... – No, not um, Adam Sandler. Marshall. Marshall from How I Met Your Mother. can't remember anyone's names today. Oh, yeah. The big tall guy. Yeah, tall bloke. Marshall. Are you ready for something I like to call the quiz? All right. This is called What Are Some of the Noises Made Up Of (laughs) (laughs) from of these Star Wars sounds. So I'm going to fork against a grate. Is that that kind of thing? thing. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you two options, and it's going to be a few in there, right? Because one's real and one's Liz made up. Are you going to verbally, no, no, verbally describe the sound to me? Are you going to? I'm going to say what they were made from. And then what do I do? You say which one. You say option one or option two. Okay, okay. (laughs) But you could always go. I thought you were going to go, it sounds like this. Oh, <laughs> sure, 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 sure. No, because you're okay. going to know what it is when I describe it to oh, you. Okay. So the, when the Millennium Falcon goes into hyperspace, so you know how it goes to yeah. hyperdrive? <laughs> you know, yeah, exactly. Is that a mixture of a tap being turned on hard, a vacuum cleaner and a bicycle brake, or a dentist air jet, a biplane, and the arc light from a motor? What's an arc light and what's a biplane? I'm going with option one. It's option two because oh. I would never know what a 1928 biplane is. But you didn't tell me 1920s. You just you're setting me up to fail. I'm not because here's another one. <laughs> R2D2. Yeah. Is R2D2 a mixture of bird calls and a synthesizer, or whale sounds sped up and violin strings? Bird and synthesizer. Yeah, exactly. Uh, blackbirds, I think, is one of the the mm. birds that um, is, is used. Yeah, exactly. Makes sense, yeah. But uh, it's funny because cockatiels sound exactly like R two D two. I think I think R two D two might be a little um, inspired by the noises that R two D two makes of and that breed. That's right, and not Betty. 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 Betty likes to run into a room and then lie down. Have you noticed that? Yeah. <laughs> But she's not actually in the room. No. She's just she's outside the door. She's a cat. I should close the door and see what she does. <laughs> okay, go on. She can't believe it, the look on her face. Let's wait. It's not like close, close. Yeah. Let's see how long it takes. Should her I call to get her? Or? No, no, okay. just give her time. Chewbacca. Is Chewbacca a mixture of bears, badger, lion and seal and a walrus or possums fighting crows and lions? Option one. Yeah. Because I mean, I knew, I knew that it was a walrus. Oh, did you? Yeah. Uh-uh. Darth Vader, but breathing. Is it scuba mask or the sound of the actual breath through those that mask? Hmm. Scuba. Yep. I was really wanting it to be the actual <laughs> breath. Because they're like, oh, we didn't have to do anything. But yeah. <laughs> that's how hard the breathing is. 
lightsaber. Do you reckon he just wants to take that off every night when he gets She's coming through the door. Hi, Betty. Was the breathing. Curiosity. What are they doing? (laughs) Um, Okay, lightsaber. Is it a projector, you know, like the one in schools? Yeah. Or a film projector, like the the engine for, for both of them, I mean. Film projector. Yep. Of course it is. Yeah. They're film students. You know, the people who worked in film. I don't remember the film. projector at school making any noise. <laughs> <laughs> I saw a video of a couple instead of a first dance. They did a lightsaber fight. And it was brilliant. <laughs> and you know that everybody at that wedding knows that they're Star Wars fans. And, just like and was like, themselves. that's great. They're doing exactly what they want. Okay. Final one. I'm going to show you a photograph of them so that you have um, an idea because I just suspected that potentially you wouldn't know who I am talking about. Do you know, it's so Betty. She hasn't even come in the door. She's but a tail's underneath it. Oh, no, she's pulled it out. She's <laughs> just laid down and she knocked laid it down her feet. She laid down and kicked it open. Like, I mean, when we say open, it's now wide open. She's like, yeah, move that. I yeah, move she's that. so clever. Okay, so what were the Tuscan Raiders? What was their voice? Oh, golly. Was it horses or donkeys? Donkeys. Yeah, made from donkey sounds. <laughs> Nothing else, just donkeys. And and when when you, you're like, oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's so funny. Oh my goodness, I like stuff like that. Me too. I like when you see the footage of them making like, it with the massive screen, and they're saying they were like a saucepan and, and a nothing. spatula, and they're like, <laughs> and this is how I made it. Yeah. I scratched the credit card over the block of cheese and then wiped that down, the cheese grater. But then I put a reverb over it mm. and flanged it a little and that's how I got that iconic sound. And I probably could have just gotten that by typing into the computer. <laughs> yeah, the synthesizer could have done it. Yeah. Look, I think that was brilliant and every moment of it was a cherished moment for, for all involved. So on that note, thank you very much. Mm.